Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on Believe in Soccer, the 25th MLS regular season is behind us and the largest playoff field in the league's history begins with 18 teams and only one will stand tall as champion December 12th. For the New York Red Bulls, the journey begins at Columbus with a head coach making his MLS debut. The Shep Messing Podcast begins now. For most teams, it was a 23-game regular season. For others, a little less. But the playoffs are here. That time when the tackles are more ferocious, every buildup in the attacking third creates great drama. The games are single elimination, and then after three weeks, Seattle plays Toronto. I'm Steve Cangelosi <laughs> with Jet Messing. I'm being facetious, of course, but this is the chance for the other clubs, including the Red Bulls, to change the narrative this time around. How are you? Steve, good. I, I thought I misheard you, but <laughs> I realize how how that's in your nature. And you know we've been broadcasting all long during this uh wild season and what have i said all along anybody can win it i mean you're talking about unprecedented times for sure not a normal season at all red bulls coming into this thing look for me clearly an underdog against the columbus team that's really good top to bottom and we may go through that lineup quickly later in the show but it's a tall order i don't put it past anybody to get to mls cup and win it well, the big news in Red Bull land is this. There's no other place to start that a head coach hired six weeks ago had his work visa approved. He's in the United States and on the job and his head coaching debut will be made in a single elimination playoff game, which of course means that should the Red Bulls lose his next competitive match will not be managed until the 2021 season opener in March. I will say this, the organization had a quite a matter-of-fact attitude about all of this when introducing Gerhard Struber to the media Thursday, as if to say, first game, playoff game, no big deal. We've got this. What impression did you have? <laughs> Steve, you and I have talked about it for the last two months and as, as early, as late as yesterday. And I, I was of the opinion, no way, no shape, no form would he be on the sideline. I voiced that opinion to you. We've talked about it. I thought surely he'd be sitting in an executive suite and, and sure, maybe chipping in some encouragement, you know, go win one for the Gipper, but, but fascinating to me that the decision was made. And by the way, after hearing both Kevin Thelwell and Gerhard Struber talk about it, I'm pumped up about it. I, I think it's the right decision. I'll get your opinion, and then I'll tell you why I think it is right. I'm a little bit surprised at it. I don't know if I sway strongly either way, right or wrong. This was Bradley Carnell's team in the buildup to the game because it was Carnell's team for most of the last week and a half at practice. So in that sense, it's a Carnell stamp on the team. But then you listen to Struber. And he was quite adamant about the way he wants the team to play. And when asked point blank, do you know who your starting 11 is for Saturday? 
He gave the impression, of course I do. Why wouldn't I at this point? Which I found quite fascinating. Uh, Steve, I think it's all great stuff. And to your point, listen, I'm I'm not sure that Bradley Carnell didn't know this six weeks ago, that if he got the visa, if he went through quarantine, that he'd be down on the sideline. Because remember, when we spoke to Bradley about it a while ago, he said, why not? I can't wait for him to get here. And if he does... That'll give us another little bump, a little boost going into this playoff game. So I I like the way Gerhard laid it out. He said, look, I'm not making wholesale changes. What's the real value watching practice socially distance, you know, this week? Yeah, I've seen all the videos. So what's my impact? My impact is to look, analyze Columbus, see the tactical formation that I think suits us best, and then put the starting 11 out there that can execute. So I'm loving it right now. Well, Struber will patrol the touchline in Columbus. Bradley Carnell, the former interim coach, will assist along with Preston Burpo and newly hired assistant Burned Eibler. I did ask Struber if there was any trepidation about his first match being a single elimination playoff game. It's a special situation uh, for me and uh, also for my team. I think the last few weeks uh, I can uh, I can look my team and watch the games uh, only on the screen. And now I stay here and I I think I was uh, I had a very good um, uh, close um, um, communication with Bradley and the whole staff and also in a good exchange all always with Kevin uh, about the team and also about the performance as we speak uh, yeah um and i think uh, right now i am here and uh, i right now i have the 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 responsibility for the development the responsibility for the results and also i make the decision uh, from now and i think this is um, yeah now my job and uh, and i hope uh, we can um, go in a in the in the same direction like the the last games from the results and we grow up our performance uh, uh, steady in the next few months. Yeah, we begin on Saturday and uh, and I think uh, the big goal is um, that we have a, a development in a in a in a very very good direction in the next few months. But uh, just now we 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 go in a. In, a, in the playoff games and we have to bring also in these games a book a, a very good performance and hopefully always the right results for the next uh, necessary steps in the playoffs i'm thinking there is going to be some surprise in the red bull starting 11 on saturday i don't know why i have that hunch but just kind of reading the virtual zoom room on thursday I have a feeling that he's going to give Caleb Porter a problem with something that he's not expecting. What are you thinking? Yeah, great point, Steve. And let me go back to that question you posed to him because I've dealt with international foreign coaches, players my whole life. And when you said, do you have any trepidation? I was looking to see whether he understood what trepidation was. He did. He's a smart fella. He's been around the block. He's been around the international scene. To your point, yeah, I, I do think there's going to be a, a surprise because really, and I analyze it the way you do, I look at the starting 11, you look at Columbus, we know their back four, we know their strength. You got Nagby and Arthur sitting deep in the midfield, three in front of them, and then that lone striker, Zardis. 
So I agree with you. I think there's going to be a wrinkle in terms of tactics. He said that today as much as that. And in terms of the lineup, you know what it is? Maybe it's all the young young legs. Maybe he throws Omir Fernandez. I mean, I don't know what he's thinking, but I agree with you. He's not going to roll out the same team that Caleb Porter has been watching the last four weeks. I'll get to Kaku and Caceres in just a few moments because now it appears at the time of this taping that there is a legitimate chance that either one, perhaps both, can see action on Saturday. But you've said numerous times in this podcast, anybody could win it this year. You've said it on the MSG broadcast, and I get that. Most people around North America, though, will tell you there are four or five teams that can win this. That's all. So let's just look at this on form alone Saturday. On this, you must agree. Aren't the Red Bulls significant underdogs? Yeah, 100%, Steve, 100%. Again, uh, there's no doubt. I I always like to look, you know, and sometimes we do it in other sports. Let's compare. Goalkeeper, who's got the edge? Are they even? Who's got the edge? If you go goalkeeper, back four, midfield, and striker, Columbus, for me, has the edge in all three categories. Ryan Mara's had a great year, but Room has been playing out of his mind. So mm-hmm. that's the edge there. The back four is the only one that I can say equal. You look at Awful and Mensa, Josh Williams, Valenzuela. Yeah, I could say equal to Red Bull. In the midfield, look, Red Bulls have a myriad of different players. We all know them, but you look at that five in the midfield for Columbus, that's where they win games. And Zardis up top, no doubt he gets the edge. So to your point, significant underdogs Red Bulls are, but I kind of like that. Well, I like how you brought the Red Bulls back four into the equation here because Jonathan Mensah, all things considered, from the start of the season late February to now, he's far and away the best defender on the field. But we're talking about a 90-minute game, and I'm not sure Mensa has been any better over the last eight weeks than Aaron Long or Tim Parker have been at this point. And that's a, that could be a big equalizer for the Red Bulls. Uh, I'm looking at this team and I'm trying to find a weakness, and I can't. Is there a soft spot in the Columbus lineup? And truth be told, I can't find one. Even Derek Etienne, who you might say is maybe 10th of the 10 outfield players, he's been wonderful at times this season and just coming into his prime. So back to Caleb Porter, because... To your point that you just made, there is no weakness. Strong in goal, back four, superb. Five in the midfield, I think the best midfield in Major League Soccer, and Jossie Zardis up front. No weakness. The weakness may be, and Caleb Porter talked about it in his press conference. He said, the problem for us is we want the ball. We want spacing. We want to move it around. Red Bull wants chaos. So for us, the danger is not in the run of play, the flow of the game. The danger is when Red Bull lose the ball in the attacking third, we get possession and we want to use spacing, use passing. That's when Red Bull is at their most dangerous. So to your point, weakness in the lineup, no. Tactical style of play in a 90-minute game, I think Red Bulls, if they press effectively, uh, they can win any game. Caleb Porter is an excellent coach. He will have had two weeks to prepare for this one game against the Red Bulls. In the build-up to the match this week, he was asked about the Red Bulls press not being 
what it once was. And this plays to your point. Take a listen. Yeah, I don't think they ever lost it. Um, that's always going to be, you know, a, a core uh, part of their DNA is that pressing and counting press, counter pressing and really what they do without the ball uh, defensively and, and how they win the ball high up the pitch, how they create chances off of that, um, how they set up basically um, their pressure, really. You know, everything they do is, is based on setting up uh, the pressure, whether that's going direct to then counter press uh, and and then counterattack because that's the other thing you can't forget about with with the Red Bull is they're very good at transition, very quick. They attack you. They attack you central um, before you can close your lines. I want to turn this back to Kaku and Casares. Uh, for those who are unaware, MLS threw us a curveball this week. They were putting players returning from international duty on charter flights. And I think this is simply to preserve as much as humanly possible the integrity of the MLS Cup playoffs. There were hiccups. Diego Rossi returning from Uruguay, where he didn't even play these two games, has COVID-19. He is out at least the first playoff game and potentially more than that. Let's look at the Red Bulls, though. Caceres plays well. Venezuela upsets Chile. And then Kaku, who appears to be this afterthought on Paraguay for three and a half games, comes in mid-second half and produces a big moment to earn a draw against Bolivia. If you're Struber, you see this. This is your team now. You make it a quick turnaround and throw them right back in on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, you laid it out beautifully, Steve. And, and do I throw them both back in? Absolutely not. Because Caceres for me, and I love him, and he's done great. Sean Davis and, and Drew Yearwood, they're right there. The player that's invaluable to this Red Bulls team and I do throw him right back in Saturday against Columbus, it's Kaku. He's got to be flying after, as you pointed out, languishing on the bench, comes in, scores a monster goal to get the draw. He's got to be flying. And we know this Red Bull team. Very few players on the team. Where are the goals going to come from? Kaku is the guy that can provide the assist. He could carve a team up with his passing. He could score a goal. He could take, take set pieces. For me, he's right back in the starting 11. And now he's looking at this very important point in his career, Shep, because the South American World Cup qualifiers won't continue now for a couple of months. There, there's a significant gap here. Kaku is 25. He knows the way the Red Bulls want to play. Moving forward, they're going to trend younger. They are going to go absolutely to the wall with as much maniacal high pressing as possible. And now he might view this as this opportunity, A, to further cement his place with Paraguay, which is with a top-four position in Conmebol qualifying. And if he is going to move to something where he is more on the radar of those who make decisions to get to the World Cup, well, this is your last audition perhaps this week or sometime between now and December 12th. This is a big point in his career. Yeah, and don't you think he knows it, Steve? You just laid it out beautifully. Look, this Red Bull team, and we, we heard it from Kevin Thelwell. We've heard it from Gerhard Struber. I, I'm pumped up about these guys. They're going to reshape this team. Everybody on the roster knows that. 
They're looking over their shoulder on Saturday, and Kaku knows what his future is, where it may be. You know, maybe it's a, a Caden Clark, to your point, the younger legs at the same spot that they're going to grow with. So I look at Kaku right now, this moment, the big goal he scored, the playoff game coming up. He's on the runway, ready to take off, and it's a big point in his career. I'm going to ask you to pick a winner on Saturday. Uh, Columbus led MLS with nine shutouts as a team, five of those coming at Moffrey Stadium, and it will have been 13 days since their last game, same as the Red Bulls. They had that blistering start to the season. They lost just once in their first 13 games. They conceded five goals in that span, and then they hiccuped a little bit. They're also possibly playing their final game in this stadium. The new Columbus Crew Stadium expected to open its doors in the summer of 2021. This is a big deal for them. How do the Red Bulls win it? And do you suspect there's a good chance that they will? I was hoping you'd give me an easier game to pick <laughs> on Nashville or Miami. I'm, I'm picking it through Miami, by the way. But to the Red Bulls, game coming up against Columbus for all those reasons you pointed out I like Red Bulls chances I don't like being the favorite in these games I like coming in with nothing to lose especially especially when you play the style that Red Bull want to play when you have nothing to lose everything to gain and you're a possession type team you've got to keep your cool it's tougher to do what do Red Bulls want create chaos upset everything they can Play 90 minutes as fast and hard as you can. It's easier when you're the underdog to do that, right? So is it, a, is it an easy game? No. Is Columbus the favorite? Yes. But if Red Bulls the first 15 minutes, 20 minutes of the game can make it chaos, I think they've got a great chance to win this game. What I'll add to that is that I don't think they can trail in this game. I think they need to score first and not play catch up. And if they can somehow manage that, their chances, I think, are, are just so much better of being the better team over 90 minutes. Before we get to the other action in the league on this first weekend of the MLS postseason, and before we stray off the Red Bulls, uh, Gerhard Struber's hiring was the decision of New York Red Bulls head of sport, Kevin Thelwell, who several times during Thursday's announcement referred to him as the outstanding candidate in the process. Two days prior to a playoff game, he stressed the big picture for this franchise, that every move, including this one, is about to be, is about being the envy of MLS moving forward and doing it by cultivating young talent. We are ambitious. And what we really want to do is, just like every other MLS club does, we, we want to win MLS Cup. But we want to do it in a particular way, and we believe that we can do it um, in, the, in the main with, with young players, young and hungry players that are very clear about the identity, very clear about the philosophy, uh, and very clear about the way forward. Of course, at some stage, we'll, we'll also integrate some, some older players into that philosophy, I'm sure. But in the main, we it's pretty clear that we believe in young players and, and we've seen it done the world over that it doesn't have to be senior players that have to, to, to drive a club forwards. You know, probably the best example is Man, Man, Manchester United many, many years ago. They were very successful with a, a lot of good young players. And I've had good experience at Wolves in the Premier League at a very high level with a team that was predominantly made up of very good young players. I think of Jota, I think of Neves, I think of Neto, I think of Vinagre, I think of Morgan Gibbs-White, I think of Max Kilman. 
all within 20, 21, 22 years of age. And so, um, and so I don't want anybody to get mistaken here. We do want to be ambitious. We do want to succeed. We do want to win MLS Cup, but we do obviously do want to win it in a particular way. And that's um, with young and hungry players that we think are going to be able to be capable of playing in a particular way. It sounds like he envisions a very young team. If you remember why he was hired in the first place, what he did to save Barnsley from relegation. They had that stretch where they won once in their first 16 games. Okay, but how did they get it together? In the time he was at Barnsley, they were first in the championship in defensive duels, first in interceptions, first in tackles. And they did it with a team that averaged 22.7 years of age. We know how this is trending for the New York Red Bulls. And I was left with this impression. I wouldn't be shocked if far and away next season, the three youngest play- the three oldest players on the team are center backs Tim Parker and Aaron Long and goalkeeper Ryan Mara. That's where I think they're heading, Shep. I don't think there's any doubt about it. But every time I hear Kevin Thelwell talk and hearing Gerhard Struber for the first time on Thursday, I'm loving these guys, Steve. These are big-time guys. Kevin Thelwell got his start in Wales as the youngest ever coach who ended up with the youth development program, worked his way up. Until at the end with Wolves, he was on the board of directors. So he's a big-time guy. And and I like the way Red Bull's philosophy is, look, our manager is our most important guy. We're going to pay. We're going to pay whatever we have to to get him. And they were afraid that Gerhard Struber had other options, other clubs after him. So I like the way they're going about it. And the way you wrapped it up, there's no doubt about it. You look at Salzburg, you look at Leipzig, you look at Red Bull Global, there's a clear path how they want to build this team. It's going to be with young legs, young players. Yeah, Feltwell mentioned we'll we'll bring in on occasion uh, another type player, but our modus operandi is going to be young, fast, and strong. Give me a thought on the early playoff games. The MLS postseason begins on Friday with the play-in round. It's all going to begin with the New England Revolution at home at Gillette Stadium against the Montreal Impact. Simple way to tee this one up. No one has won more playoff games in the league's history than Bruce Arena. Thierry Henry will manage his first postseason game. How do you separate these two clubs? Well, first of all, Bruce Arena and Thierry Henry, two very different uh, resumes, but both superstars. And, and Bruce Arena was making comments this week how much he respects and loves Thierry, and it's an honor to play against him. But the game is won by the players on the field, and, and Bruce Arena has the better team. So I think playing at home at Gillette, uh, I don't think there's any way. I think it would be a big upset if, if Montreal Impact found a way to, to get a win. I think it's the revolution win this game. In the late game on Friday, you showed us your hand already. You're going into Miami against Nashville SC. Nashville will be at home. If Miami does prevail, they get the Supporter Shield winners, Philadelphia, on a couple of days' notice. What has swung you Miami's way? Well, two things. The, the, the undercard, you know, the underdog theory, but what what swung me was Pizarro getting back for the game. So you've got those three players in the lineup, Matuidi, Iguain, 
and Pizarro, I, I like them. Those guys have played at the highest level in the biggest competitions in the world, and they've proven themselves over and over again. Who on Nashville has those credentials? Nobody. We, we know how good Nashville has been, but in a big-time moment, I'm taking Iguain, Matuidi, and Pizarro uh, anytime I think Inter-Miami wins the game. Before you and I settle in for the Red Bulls broadcast on Saturday, the other first-round matchup, it's a juicy one. Orlando City SC against NYCFC. I'll tell you this, Shep, the universe is going to come crashing down for one of these teams because deep down, they're talking as if each each one of these teams is talking as if it should be a contender for MLS Cup. Well, guess what? One of them's going out in the first round. You give the advantage to either one? Uh, look, I... I advantage i don't know but i'm picking nycfc i think again regardless of where the game is being played orlando for me has exceeded expectations i i really try when you look at analyzing a game take the emotion out of it look at those 11 players look at the matchups in the game i think nycfc has the better 11. Things in the West don't get going until Sunday. Sporting Kansas City, San Jose will be the first game on Sunday. Sporting KC finished first in the West. I haven't heard one person yet, a neutral anyway, to pick them to win MLS Cup. Is that justified? Yeah, I'm scratching my head about them as well, Steve. And I, I tried to dig in a little deeper. I mean, they haven't had a great record at home nobody really they, they don't have a wow factor and yeah. they're playing against san jose which is jekyll and hyde right i mean they could get blown out six nothing or, or they can win the game five four so i, I don't know I, you know if i had to give the edge i i, I like the underdog again I, I think san jose can upset sporting kc in, in their building minnesota Minnesota United home against Colorado. Minnesota uh, finished very strong, undefeated uh, in a good stretch of games towards the end there. Home at Allianz Arena. That's one where you wanted this to be special for them before a packed house in that beautiful stadium. Obviously, in the age of COVID, that's that's not the case. Either one of these teams favored in your mind? Yeah, I, I give them the game. And, and look, I love Adrian Heath. I've known him, Inchi. I've known him for a long time, and I loved his outburst uh, a week or two ago, right? He said, I don't want to hear anybody, all the analysts, all the gurus, the media, stop asking me about tactics. How about run, tackle, dive in, make a play, get forward? That's old school, old school. Stevie Nichols and, and New England Revolution. But I think Minnesota has the better team, Steve, and I think they get the win. Portland and FC Dallas will wrap play on Sunday. Portland played for MLS Cup only two years ago. Doesn't it seem like longer than that when they lost to Atlanta United in the final? This is a hard game for FC Dallas, I think. And you know something? If Gio Savarese makes any kind of run with the Timbers, this was a remarkable year because let's not forget, that's not just an asterisk with what they did in Orlando at the wide world of sports venue when they won the MLS's back tournament. If he couples that with a deep run, that is a job well done. I know we've awarded coach of the year already, but that's a lot for him to hang his hat on. 
Listen, I love Gio. I've known him since he uh, came to the country and played at LIU, and and he's a winner. Uh, he is a winner. So he's done a remarkable job. Look, look at how ironic it is, right? Caleb Porter leaves. Give Caleb Porter one year in Columbus. He's turned it around, and Gio steps into big shoes, and look what he's done. So, look, I think they're the favorite uh, in the game. Uh, FC Dallas, I don't know how they carve out a way to win that game. Portland Timbers have not been unbeatable, right? They've had some sloppy games. Times they've given up a lot of goals, but but I think playing at home, they get this win. I'm going to give the last say of the show to you, and you could say something that you think really stuck with you, or you can kind of dance around it because you thought it might have been irrelevant. But the two games that the United States men's national team played, a scoreless draw versus Wales, a 6-2 to two victory over Panama. Is there anything that left you with a feeling of, yes, the United States of America is back on the world stage. <laughs> I, I don't like dancing around anything, Steve. You know me, so I'm not going to dance. I, I saw Alexi Lalas, our friend, our colleague, made, made a, a, you know, a typical Alexi Lalas comment that, you know, I'm not trying to take happiness away from anybody during these unprecedented pandemic times, but don't be happy until you beat somebody that's good. Right. So I'm happy. I am happy. And, and really, it, I'm happy for the reason every other U.S. national team supporter is. Look at these young talents, especially in the midfield. Uh, Pulisic, I'm still concerned with his injury woes. Gio, mm-hmm. Gio Reyna, uh, Weston McKinney. I, I mean, Tyler Adams. I mean, how could I? forget Tyler. I mean, this is the nucleus of the team. And I don't look at 2022. I look at where are these players going to be in their careers 2026 when we're hosting the World Cup. You got Zach Steffen in goal. Brooks was good. I think Aaron Long belongs next to him. And I forgot about Dest. How about Dest? So there is a lot to be. I don't want to go through the roof and say, excited about but cautiously cautiously optimistic this is the best young group of players we've had in decades when the dust settles from the first playoff weekend we'll be back with the next edition of the shet messing podcast until then take care Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.